0: This is Sound and Vision from KEXP I'm Emily Fox We now continue our occasional series called Apparently We talk with musicians and performers who are also juggling parenthood Coming up, we'll hear from Kristen Hirsch A 50 Foot Wave and Throwing Muses about navigating a toxic music industry as a mother and her new book titled Seeing Sideways, A Memoir of Music and Motherhood but first, I want to share some conversations I've had with musicians these past few weeks about motherhood. In the recent podcast episode about New Zealand, I spoke with Amanda Palmer about her decision to live in New Zealand this past year. It happened after her tour was canceled in that country. And she decided to stay because she wanted to raise her kid in a place that was, for the most part, COVID free, it was safe. And during her conversation, she also had a few things to say about navigating motherhood as an artist and how it impacts your identity and how that balancing act is especially hard during a pandemic and when your partner is also an artist.
1: You know, so much of my work is also my identity and my my ego is so wrapped up in, you know, my work, my output, my productivity as an artist. And while that's also true for any woman, any mother in any job, when you've spent your life, as I did up until 39 when I had a kid, measuring your value and your self-worth to the world and to humanity by what you can offer up artistically it's extra painful when it gets sideswiped by a pandemic or by the choice to put parenting first Um, because all of your whole toolkit has been shaped and your whole sense of self has been shaped by what you have to offer artistically. And all of a sudden, if what you're offering the universe is like just making sandwiches and (laughs) just rides to play dates and just supporting a single child or a couple of children. It just is, it's such a reckoning. And then things get troubly complicated when your partner is an artist and they're also trying to prioritize their work and their parenting. And you're not all necessarily making the same choices on the same day. So I feel deeply on the topic of how women have been particularly by this pandemic because of the traditional gender roles that we all tend to slip into. The way society looks at a man's decisions versus a woman's decisions uh, vis-a-vis a, a child and what to prioritize, child or career, it does get really Really gnarly when you start looking at people's feelings about what our responsibilities to these children are and what our responsibilities to artistic output also is.
0: So that was Amanda Palmer's take on juggling music and motherhood. And I also got Nancy Wilson of the band Heart's take on being a mom. She's also featured in a recent episode of Sound & Vision, and during her unedited conversation, she said she went through what she estimated to be four years of fertility treatment before she had her twins. Four years. She said she had to step back from touring in order to get those fertility treatments, and after she had her sons, she took her kids on the road, but when they got a little older and started to go to school, touring was a hard thing to pull off when you wanted to still be in a successful band, heart but still wanted to see your kids without having to pull them out of school.
1: You wanted to tour for, you know, a couple of weeks on, three weeks on, or month on, two weeks off, so you could go home. But then everybody, you know, in the, the company says, you know, this is not the way to tour, because the whole tour, like the entire tour, has to, the, the machine of the tour has to stop, shut down, you know, and pay people that are just waiting around For you to come back, so then I felt really pressured about Mm. having my, you know, trying to have my. Like now that it was really hard to get them here, now it's really hard to see them, and so it was just really kind of really stressful, very painful process of trying to figure a schedule that would work for, you know, for the benefit of the band and for
0: myself, and for the benefit of the kids. It's fascinating to hear how mothers navigate life on the road with kids, and how they try to balance it all with gender inequity still at play. But this next guest embraced an identity as what she calls a housewife on the road. But she did not agree with how women were being treated in the music industry at large. Here's apparently is Rachel Stevens and Evie Stokes here to kick off today's episode of Apparently. Well, I'm super excited about this episode
2: of, apparently, I can actually say that this is one of the most interesting people I've ever talked to. Yeah, so who'd you talk to? I talked to Kristen Hirsch of Throwing Muses, and she's also in a band called 50 Foot Wave. And... She's, like, so poetic and so awesome. She just wrote this book called um, Seeing Sideways. It's a memoir about her life and motherhood and music. And she tours with four kids. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she... It's really interesting because, like, you think about being a parent and how you how you do your job and you know at one point in the interview she's like do you know any parents that can just like quit their job um I couldn't so I had so I kept playing music and I love playing music so I I wanted to do it and what a wonderful job to have yeah I know it has its ups and downs and she she I think she mentioned she didn't love the music industry itself but uh I think she said she hates it
1: (laughs) in fact the polar opposite (laughs)
2: Hates the music industry. She had to get out. She, yeah, which is also so interesting. She just like figured out how to do things her way. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Mama, ooh, baby.
0: I be your father, baby. Dear Mama, you parents just don't understand. Hi, Kristen.
2: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Uh, The book is gorgeous. I finished it last night. um, And it feels like I'm reading lyrics, honestly. It was like it took a hot second to get into the cadence, but then it was a very much needed cadence. Um,
3: I can't believe you said that. It's exactly (sighs) what it is. Most people just say, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) But as far as memoir goes, the way I remember is lyrically. I, I don't know any other way to to tell the truth.
2: Kristen isn't afraid to tell the truth. She grew up on a hippie commune in Rhode Island and she had to be pretty self-sufficient. At nine, she got a hold of her first guitar and she felt like she had this path. At eleven, her parents divorced and her dad married her best friend's mom. So at fourteen, Kristen and her stepsister, slash BFF, Tanya Donnelly, started throwing muses. Kristen found her purpose, but people did not understand her music. Bad reviews made Kristen feel completely out of place, like she wasn't even supposed to be on this earth. Then she became pregnant at 18.
3: Our teenage pregnancy leaves a pretty corpse. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I had going on. I think he saved my life by Mm. existing. I had to be about life and health instead of trying to get off of this alienating Playing, you know, I had gradually found that what I was doing musically was not what anyone else was doing. They just thought I was from outer space and they didn't keep it to themselves. <laughs> so by the time I was 18, I just thought, it's time to go. I'm going to put the music down, but um, this is not my place.
2: In a world where she did not feel like she belonged, having her first child... Dooney, at such a young age, gave her a true sense of belonging. But Kristen's son was taken away from her when he was very young. There was a claim of neglect because of her lifestyle. And this is where the book begins. A place of panic and spinning.
3: And that's what this first chapter reflects. This really being thrust into that through My three-year-old son was taken by his father, and the custody battle that ensued led to PTSD.
2: Kristen eventually got custody of Dooney, but that near loss shook her as a mother, and that feeling followed her. She took Dooney on tour to keep him close, and in the following chapters of the book and of her life, Kristen married and had three more boys. The book has four chapters, and each is named after one of her sons, Dooney Writer, Wyatt, and Bodie. Through it all, she kept playing music. And Kristen was not about to leave her boys when she went on tour because she was a musician second and a mother, a housewife even, first.
3: I was a housewife on a bus. Yeah. I will admit. But, you know, we still had the goldfish and the pickle jar and the dogs, and I was baking brownies in the bus kitchen and not good ones, healthy ones. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Being a mother to four boys on the road didn't look traditional, but it was exactly what worked for Kristen. When she plays gigs, she goes on late. 50-foot wave usually doesn't even hit the stage until midnight.
3: When Bodie was a baby, we'd be loading out at 2 or 3 in the morning, and he'd be up at 5 or 6. But honestly, instead of thinking, I'm probably going to die now, (laughs) I thought,
2: I have it all. And I meant it. What I'm learning as a mother and a human who likes her work is that "quote unquote" having it all means different things to different people. Being invested in your career and being invested as a mother isn't mutually exclusive.
3: People used to tell me that I was um, you're just so invested in your career you tore to your eighth month of pregnancy and then the baby's on the road before it's eight weeks old and you're obsessed with. Your work and I was like, Do you know anyone who can quit their job because they have a kid? Ugh. Like, it
2: just doesn't happen anymore. Kids are a financial investment. So many parents cannot afford to quit their jobs to take care of their children. Unfortunately for Kristen, the music industry was not super supportive when she was too obvious about being a mother. In her memoir, she describes this nightmare of a music video shoot where the director shamed her for being eight months pregnant. He told her they would just have to shoot her from the neck up so that, quote, no one sees how big you are. This was a last straw for Kristen.
3: This was just across the board wrong. And it was uh, very instructive. That was when I decided, oh, then I'm going to stop. This cannot go on. Hmm. It's it's too ugly. And it's, uh, I don't know if I helped anyone by leaving my own industry Uh, but I wasn't part of the problem.
2: Kristen had to get out of the music industry that she knew. She didn't even want to do these music video shoots. She didn't want to pose as a bride in rhinestone panties for magazine shoots, which is something that she was asked to do. She didn't want a label to tell her how her music should sound. So she made a deal with a record label, dropped the contract that she had with throwing muses so that she could make the music that she wanted with her band, and in exchange she'd make a solo album for the label instead.
1: I think last night you were driving circles around me I think last night you were driving circles
2: Quitting a well-paying job you hate to pursue something that you love is usually risky. But especially when you're a parent who has to put food on the table for four children. But for Kristen... The need to leave the music industry was dire. But the risk of making music her own way?
3: If music is your reward, you want to work. I didn't want to be a pop star. I didn't want to be a rock star. I didn't want to have a hit. Because then next year, you're, by definition, you're out because you were in last year. And And then when you factor in what is asked of women, we all know what it is. It is horribly shallow. And offensive and not harmless. You have a daughter. And I don't want her to grow up seeing those images and feeling that that is the cultural win. And that in order to play music, you have to do that. It's like losing your virginity and seeing what love is on this material plane. And somebody says, oh, well, if you're serious, you should go pro. You should be a
2: whore. These are the kinds of lines that make me absolutely love Kristen Hirsch. Kristen stopped making music for labels. She refused to be a whore. There's this part of the book where Kristen wrote about the toxicity of the music industry, and it really struck me, so I had her read it.
3: The fact that we ever put art and entertainment in the same sentence may say something about who we once were, inclusive and fundamentally giving, but having been taken from people and placed in the hands of corporate beehives, these two disciplines are opposed. The bees become killer, the honey poison. The term art is synonymous with privilege, while entertainment is for imaginary dummies, and neither is real.
2: Do you think that art and entertainment are not real, or do you think the perceptions of them aren't real?
3: I think the way we have marketed them is a dehumanization and... We market to this big dummy, and we create a populace that is now illiterate, meaning that they are out of touch with their own visceral listening function which they were born with, and it's been replaced with fashion. (laughs) And I don't think that's harmless. So I would sit in Warner Brothers and say, Why do you sell crap? (laughs) They'd say, Because crap sells. It's like, Yeah, that's because you sell crap. (laughs) Good music doesn't cost any more than lousy music. Their math is off. And when they want you to go for likes, you lose all love.
2: Kristen's music is listener-funded now. She crowdsources funds for her album productions, and after 40 years of making music, she's figured out how to do it her own way and make it work. Just like she's figured out how to parent her own way and make it work. I admire the hell out of Kristen. Her memoir made me think about my own parenting style. I wanna be wilder, I wanna be cooler, I wanna be less cookie cutter. So I asked Kristen how I could be more like her.
3: I was cookie cutter. I was June Cleaver.
2: June Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver. You know, the idyllic, perfect poster child of a mom.
3: I still am, (laughs) but now it's crazy because they're gone. (laughs) I'm still cooking for six and baking pies.
2: That's so funny.
3: I just have this impression that they might all be out sledding and then, you know, when they get in, they're going to be hungry.
2: Kristen's boys are not out sledding. They're now all grown up and out of the house slash bus. So Kristen is an empty nester now. Kristen is currently working on a solo album as well as a 50 foot wave album, which she will tour for in the fall. She's navigating what a tour bus will be like without a gaggle of young boys on board. Will the nights be shorter? Will the opening band sound louder? Will the bus be colder? Kristen's not sure, but she is sure of one thing. There will be music. Find Kristen's memoir, Seeing Sideways, wherever you buy books. Thanks so much to Evie Stokes, my partner in crime for this podcast. And thank you so much to Emily Fox for all the amazing guidance and help. This is Apparently for Sound and Vision. I'm Rachel Stevens.
0: And coming up next time on Apparently... hear another perspective of what it's like to take a baby on tour and one story of what can happen when that baby ends up on stage.
1: But I was playing the tambourine with my foot and then when I looked down I realized that she was bleeding and somehow like her tugging at my leg and rolling around on the floor had like got messed. Anyway, she somehow, she was bleeding out of her mouth and so then I felt really awful because... I had just been ignoring her. She was asking for me, and I was saying, no, I'm doing a
0: gig, I'm going to finish this gig. That's next time on Apparently. And that was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.